What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast, where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules and enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwake and a Dungeon Master myself. And today, we're here to talk to you about conditions. So, conditions are all of the various things that can happen to your character or status effects is another way that that can be phrased and there are quite a number of them uh, in the appendix of the player's handbook and a lot of them are kind of related a lot of them interact with each other and in general it's an area where it's very easy easy to be confused as to what they actually mean for your character so it behooves us to go through them with you to well shed some light on them so the full list of conditions there is blinded charmed deafened exhaustion frightened grappled incapacitated invisible paralyzed petrified poisoned prone restrained stunned and unconscious so there's quite a few of them now what is interesting, even though these are all on the same list, they are very much not all of the same severity. Some of them are much worse than others, and some of them are things that seem like that there is either they're the same or that they you know interact with each other in various ways. So one example of that, there are a number of conditions that create a condition called incapacitated. And that is particularly important because a lot of effects in the game, like a lot of you know attacks that some creatures have, specifies that they can only be used by someone who's incapacitated. Not to mention a lot of things that say, well, a lot of them have, hmm, let me rephrase. There are a lot of things in the game that ask for incapacitation. And that is a word that in English can be interpreted in a number of ways 
so that it becomes more complicated for playing D&D in terms of what that actually means. So we're going to be going through the words of this, and then also we have to go through what they actually mean in English. So let's go ahead and just start at the top. Blinded. A blinded creature can't see and automatically fails any ability check that requires sight. Attack rolls against the creature have advantage, and the creature's attack rolls have disadvantage. So this one, like many of the status effects that we'll get to shortly, have multiple things that they mean. So in this case, you can't see and you automatically fail checks that rely on sight. Now, that is actually rather interesting phrasing. So the most obvious ability check that would come to mind if you're blinded would be a perception check. But you don't automatically fail a perception check because with perception, you can still hear. You might be able to smell if there's, you know, some gas or something in the room. So even though you're blinded, you don't necessarily fail that perception check. You only fail things that require sight. But the other part is the one that actually probably gets used even more often. So your attacks have disadvantage and attacks against you have advantage. That is by far the more important one. Because again, even if you can't see, you can still hear. So you could hear if someone is somewhere in the area next to you. So then a creature who is blind can still, you know, swing a weapon in the general direction of where they hear someone, but their attack has disadvantage. So that is a logical way that that rule kind of mixes rules and actual logic, which is always something that I favor. And of course, attack rolls against you having advantage makes sense because you can't see where it's coming from. Now, uh, Charmed is up next. A charmed creature cannot attack the charmer or target the charmer with harmful abilities or magical effects. The charmer has advantage on any ability check to interact socially with the creature. Charmed is one of the conditions that probably gets misused more than almost anything else. And we'll go into the ones that are also difficult when I get there. So charmed is the magical mind control effect. So if you have the spell charm person, then that applies the charmed condition to the creature. So in that spell charm person, it specifies that the target regards you as a friendly acquaintance. That does not mean that they will do whatever you ask them to. So it, just as I said a moment ago, it gives you advantage on ability checks to interact socially with them. So it'll give you advantage on your persuasion check to get them to do something for as long as that spell or condition lasts. But it is not automatic do anything, because if you go up to a friend of yours and say, hey, go stab your buddy over there for me, they're going to say, no, fuck you. And if it's a stranger that asks you to do that, you might just call the cops on them because that's what you do. It is not total mind control. It is magically suggestible. All right. Deafened. A deafened creature can't hear and automatically fails ability checks requiring hearing. That's it. Deafened is arguably the weakest condition in the game. It is minimally 
impactful. If someone is deafened and blinded, that is a character that is quite in trouble, because in that case, they would most likely fail any perception checks. Exhaustion. Exhaustion is probably the most complicated one. There are a lot of things that might cause exhaustion to characters. Most of them environmental, although there are some spells and abilities here and there that can also grant exhaustion. And part of what makes it so complicated is that instead of exhaustion just being a you're exhausted or you're not exhausted, there are levels of exhaustion. Six of them, in fact. So each time that you gain a level of exhaustion, then you become more and more disadvantaged. There's more and more bad things that stack up on a character who is farther through exhaustion. So also what that means is each of those six levels creates one additional effect in addition to everything preceding it. So if something has three levels of exhaustion, then they have the penalties from level one and two and three of exhaustion. So someone with one level of exhaustion has disadvantage on all ability checks. So all that is terrifying because that would then mean that that would apply to you know any perception check any initiative role anything that is some ability check would be disadvantaged until you are able to recover level two speed halved in addition to the disadvantage on ability checks so you are only able to move at half of your speed that also not great level three disadvantage on attack rolls and saving throws so then again, like I said, that would be three and two and one. So disadvantage on attack rolls, disadvantage on saving throws, disadvantage on ability checks, and your speed is halved. All. So level one and two of exhaustion is unfortunate but manageable. But once you get up to three and higher is really where it hurts your character. And then it even keeps going fourth level of exhaustion your hit point maximum is also halved so if you're a character that would only have 40 hit points normally then you cannot go above 20 and obviously that is awful for a character five speed reduced to zero you cannot move at all in addition to everything else before and finally, level six of exhaustion, death. If a character accrues a total six levels of exhaustion, they flat out immediately die. They don't get reduced to zero hit points. They don't get to roll death saving throws. They just literally drop dead of exhaustion. So, remember to sleep, kids. <laughs> remember to sleep. So on that note, the way to get rid of exhaustion is rest. So finishing a long rest reduces a creature's exhaustion level by one, provided that the creature has also ingested some food and drink. So starvation is one of the ways that you can, you know, really shoot yourself in the foot in terms of gaining or not being able to get rid of exhaustion. Uh, also, one of the lesser known ones that is kind of odd, being raised from the dead reduces a creature's exhaustion by one. So if you're already exhausted and then get resurrected, then you lose one level of exhaustion. So that's kind of nifty. And there's actually a kind of funny logical reason for this. 
I'm curious, Nathan, do you see the logic? Not actually. So if a creature is resurrected with six levels of exhaustion, then they would still be exhausted to death and immediately just stay dead if they didn't have that in there. So they kind of had to do that so that if an exhausted creature is resurrected, they don't just immediately die again. So that's just kind of a logical yeah, in sense. my eyes. Yeah, so fair enough. But yeah, exhaustion is dangerous. And also just the fact that a long rest only gets rid of one level of exhaustion, which means you might need to take, you know, half a week or more to fully recover from exhaustion. It is rough. Next up, frightened. A frightened creature has disadvantage on ability checks and attack rolls, while the source of its fear is within line of sight. And the creature can't willingly move closer to the source of its fear. So the best example of a creature that makes use of this is dragons. 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 And this is also an ability that is relatively underutilized in all actuality because most people go for the you know brute force approach of running dragons. But their, you know, frightful presence uh, is horrifyingly effective because disadvantage on ability checks and attack rolls and can't willingly move closer. So if a dragon or any creature that can, you know, cause the frightened condition, if they use that at the start of the fight before melee characters get to go, then the melee characters are literally stuck in place and cannot move any closer. And that is horrifying if you have, you know, a tank or two in your party, then the dragon can just ignore them and munch on those squishy magic users and healers. So frightened in the right circumstances can be horrifyingly effective. All right, so now we're moving up to one of the somewhat complicated ones that has some interactions. Grappled. Grappled is something that causes trouble a lot. So first off, to grapple, it is just an action where any character has the choice to roll an attack roll with their normal number, but instead of dealing damage, they grapple. And what that does, the grappled creature's speed becomes zero, and it can't benefit from any bonus to its speed. The condition ends if the grappler is incapacitated, which we'll get to in a moment. The condition also ends if an effect removes the grappled creature from the reach of the grappler or grappling effect, such as when a creature is hurled away by the thunder wave spell. Ah, good old thunder wave. But anyway, so the fact that grapple doesn't just slow down a creature, it flat out makes their speed zero. So unable to move can be quite advantageous if you're trying to stop a creature from, you know, advancing to your squishier allies. Uh, Also, one kind of odd, logical, you know, weird thing with grapple, there is no size limitation in this rule by rules as written. So by rules as written, any creature can just grapple a dragon and somehow is preventing it from moving. So that's a kind of odd thing from the logical perspective, but as rules is written, that is indeed the case. One thing that a lot of people misunderstand, when you're grappling, their speed becomes zero. There is nothing that actually stops or even hinders their actions except for movement. 
So they can still attack you. They can still do a ranged attack against someone else. They can they don't have disadvantage on their attack rolls. So they can still have their usual actions with the exception of being able to move. So now let's move on to incapacitation. So the rule of it is just a single line. An incapacitated creature can't take actions or reactions. So that is incredibly effective. So that would mean that no actions, no bonus action, which is a subtype of action, uh, no, no, nothing. You just flat out cannot do anything. No reactions. It is bad. Now, what becomes complicated in terms of incapacitated is what causes incapacitated. There are a couple of effects that we'll also get to in a moment. So the other conditions that specify that, that the creature that they are hit with is incapacitated. So the problem comes in where what do you call someone who like you sneak up on? Are they incapacitated or someone who's asleep? So exactly what the line is of what means for someone to be incapacitated doesn't actually have full specification in the rules as written. So there is some DM leeway in terms of how they choose in their world to define whether someone is incapacitated. Next up, invisible. Impossible to see without the aid of magic or a special sense. For the purpose of hiding, the creature is heavily obscured. The creature's location can be detected by any noise it makes or any tracks it leaves. Attack rolls against the creature have disadvantage, and the creature's attack rolls have advantage. So we talked a good amount, actually, about invisibility a few episodes ago uh, in Surprise, Cover, and Hiding. Wow, that was 39. That was actually farther away than I thought. But anyway, but so we talk a lot more about the details of what that means there. But the important details for the sake of here is attack. your attack rolls have advantage, and attack rolls against you have disadvantage. But one thing that is not listed in that text, but is also the case, is that if someone targets an invisible creature, they have to basically point at a spot and say, I'm attacking there. And that attack roll then has disadvantage. If someone picks the wrong space to attack, then the attack does automatically miss. And the DM is not supposed to tell the player whether they pick the right spot or not, only if the attack hits or misses. Paralyzed. A paralyzed creature is incapacitated. So there we go for that. And can't move or speak. Creature automatically fails. Strength and dexterity saving throws. Attack rolls against the creature have advantage. Any attack that hits the creature is a critical hit if the attacker is within five feet of the creature. Paralyzed is one of the most dangerous conditions to an adventure because they are incapacitated, meaning no actions or reactions, no movement, no speech, no strength saving throws, no dexterity saving throws, and all attacks are advantage and automatic crit for anyone next to them. That is horrifying when put all together. Next up, petrified. 
a petrified creature is transformed along with any non-magical object it's wearing or carrying into a solid inanimate substance, usually stone. Its weight is increased by a factor of 10 and it ceases aging. Creature is incapacitated, can't move or speak, and is unaware of its surroundings. Attack rolls against the creature have advantage. Automatically fail strength and dexterity saving throws. Creature has resistance to all damage. Creature is immune to poison and disease, although a poison or disease already in its system is suspended, not neutralized. Petrified is actually one of the more interesting ones to me. There are a number of effects in the game that cause it. There are creatures that can petrify, there are spells that can petrify, and a lot of such abilities are not time-limited. They are flat out there until someone gets magically healed. And there are a number of uses to the petrified condition that I find to be particularly interesting. So a creature that is petrified ceases aging. So one neat idea that I've had before is that if someone has, you know, some terrible poison on them that any people in the party don't have the ability to cure at the moment or some other disease like they also mentioned, you could purposefully petrify someone to get time to get to a cleric. Like let's say you have a wizard who can petrify but not a strong enough cleric then you can petrify an ally purposefully until it's time. And another of my favorite ones, of course, is Beholder-related. So Beholders have the ability to petrify. And a lot of Beholders use that ability to basically decorate their lairs with statues of people who went against them and lost. And that is just neat. All right, Poisoned. A poisoned creature has disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks. That is a very, very useful one because a lot of a lot of monsters have the ability to poison, whether it is, you know, spiders or snakes or all kinds of things have poison. And the fact that most of creatures poison abilities will last some amount of time, whether it's a minute or an hour can it can vary. But the fact that one attack just as a side effect can give them disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks can be really dangerous to a party pretty easily. But on the flip side, there are also a number of magic items that can also grant immunity to poisoned, which is something that some parties could think about if they have, you know, forest or underdark campaigns. Prone, probably the most common one. A prone creature's only movement option is to crawl, unless it stands up and thereby ends the condition. Creature has disadvantage on attack rolls. Attack roll against the creature has advantage if the attacker is within five feet of the creature. Otherwise, the attack roll has disadvantage. So considering the fact that prone probably is one of the most common conditions, this is one that also kind of gets misused a lot of the time. Because when someone's prone, then we'll start with actually that third bullet point. So attacks next to them have advantage because you're attacking someone on the ground. 
But if you're at if the attacker is at range, then it's disadvantage. So that, you know, flip is somewhat odd. So let me use this as an example. Let's say there's a sniper, you know, who's got a really good crossbow way far away. Then if there is someone who stands up or sneaks up behind them and tries to bash in their head, well, they're laying down. They have advantage. On the other hand, if someone far away is trying to shoot back at the sniper who's laying down, that's much harder to hit them because they're a way smaller target because they're laying down. So that is another one where logically that makes sense. But the fact that someone prone has disadvantage on their attack rolls is the more unfortunate bit. But considering the fact that you could still have surprise attacks to balance out that disadvantage, that sniper analogy can still work for prone having its advantages. So the fact that, well, actually, huh, something I just noticed. How to stand up is not actually written there, which it should be. So that's weird. So I'll just go ahead and say that. So to not be prone anymore, all you have to do is stand up, which uses up half of your movement. So a creature that has a normal 30 foot movement speed to stand up from prone simply expends 15 feet of their movement to stand up and then can still move that additional 15 feet because they still have that amount of movement left. So next up, restrained. So this is where the complication I mentioned earlier between certain effects come in. Grappled and restrained get mixed and matched a lot. Restrained is the worst one. So that is the big difference. Someone who's grappled has their speed ended, but their attacks are still fine. Someone who's restrained, their speed becomes zero and it can't benefit to any bonus to speed. So that makes sense. But in addition, attack rolls against the creature have advantage and the creature's attack rolls have disadvantage. Also, the creature has disadvantage on dexterity saving throws. So advantage against them and theirs have disadvantage. So restrained is grapple plus. And then next up, we have stunned. A stunned creature is incapacitated, can't move, and can speak only falteringly. Automatically fails strength and dexterity saving throws. Attack rolls against the creature have advantage. So stunned is another of the very dangerous conditions. So because of the fact that they are incapacitated, meaning no actions or reactions and can't move, failing dex and strength saves and attack rolls against them have advantage. So that is just a flat out lost turn for all intents and purposes as long as stunned is maintained. So creatures like mind flayers have a recharge ability, mind blast, that create that causes stunned in any creatures who fail their saving throw. So that area of effect stun is a part of what makes mind flayers so horrifically dangerous if you do end up in a fight against them. And the final condition here is unconscious. Uh, Unconscious creature is incapacitated, can't move or speak, and is unaware of its surroundings. 
So it the creature drops whatever it's holding and falls prone. Automatically fails strength and dexterity saving throws. Attack rolls against the creature have advantage. And any attack that hits a creature is a critical hit if the attacker is within five feet of the creature. So that's also a horribly dangerous one. So the fact that that automatic crit again, plus advantage, plus everything else, plus lack of actions, leads me to one of the most underrated spells in the game, especially, well, mostly at low levels. It does unfortunately lose its value later on. Sleep. The sleep spell to instantly knock a creature unconscious is amazing at lower levels, or if you're in a situation with multiple weaker enemies, that also is hugely useful. Because the fact that you get that advantage plus automatic crit means that if you're in a party with someone else who has an area of effect or just some multi-attack or anything like that, that is hugely, hugely useful. So that is the full list of conditions. So that is the list of conditions, but what it takes to get rid of conditions varies. So the lowest level option is the Lesser Restoration spell, which is a second level spell that ends one disease or one condition, but a limited list of conditions. So that can get rid of blinded, deafened, paralyzed, or poisoned. So particularly useful because especially blind, paralyzed, or poisoned are rather dangerous to adventurers. Then moving up the scale, you have greater restoration as a fifth level spell that also reduces a target's exhaustion by one or can end an effect on the target. So it can end a charmed or petrified on the target. It can get rid of a curse such as to a cursed magic item, can end a reduction to a target's ability score or one effect reducing the target's hit point maximum. But again, there aren't really a whole lot of spells that can really end any condition. So if you have the right or wrong combination of conditions that are affecting your party, you can be in trouble. They are an important aspect of the game that is somewhat easy to confuse, but is something that is really prominent in the game. And now that we've gone over that, hopefully Dungeon Masters take more advantage of both the pros and cons of many of those conditions to arrange more interesting battles for yourselves and your parties. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rifts and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Two stars low as a dollar and even that much really helps us out. Support us get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, only access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord where you'll be able to chat with the cast and even a shout-out on the show. Find us on social media, on Twitter at Riffwake Podcast, on Facebook as Riffwake and on Reddit on the subreddit r slash Podcast. And now, send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffs, A-N-D, rules at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.